text for this Easter morning is from John 11, to verses 21 through 27. Let's read that once again. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After the sermon, we will sing together from hymn 35, stanzas 1 and 2. Love congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you, boys and girls. If a politician or a pollster were to ask you what is uppermost in your mind right now, how would you answer him? What would you say is today the one thing that you really care about? We know what it is for the average Canadian. According to the latest opinion polls, health care is the most important issue for the election. People want the politicians to fix what is wrong with our health care system. Why do you think that is? No doubt it is because people want to have a life. They want to have a life as long as possible. And that life should be with as little pain and discomfort as possible. Well, I agree. I also want to have a long life. I also want to have a life with as little pain and discomfort as possible. But I'm not going to look to the politicians or to our health care system or to any doctor or nurse to provide that for me. Oh, sure, it's a wonderful thing that we do have the health care system that we have. From my own experience, dealing with people who have to go through surgery and all kinds of health problems, our health care system is not as bad as some people make it out to be. As a matter of fact, it's a great system. I doubt if there's any country in the world that has any better system than we have here in Canada. But, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to put my hope in that system or in anyone who promises to deliver an even better health care system. For you're all going to be very disappointed if you do that. For that is putting your trust and your hope in man. And that is putting your hope in everything that is earthly, temporary. Where then do I put my trust? Well, you guessed it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we celebrate Easter. That means that we celebrate the victory of Christ over death and over all the evil forces that exist here on earth. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can give you life, true life. What exactly does that mean? 
How does he do that? That's what I will preach to you about this morning. The theme is as follows. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. And we will see that this gives hope for the future in the first place and in the second place for the present. Something terrible has happened. Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, had become sick and then suddenly died. As it is often with death, it was unexpected. He was still in the strength of his life. And the Lord Jesus Christ knew him well. He loved him. Whenever he traveled through the area of Bethany, the Lord Jesus would stay at the home of Lazarus and his two sisters. The Lord Jesus loved Lazarus and his two sisters. But now a messenger comes to him to tell him that Lazarus was sick. If there is anybody that would be able to help, it would be the Lord Jesus. He had proven that already many times. And Martha and Mary were well aware of that. They knew that the Lord Jesus has power over life and death. And so you would think that the Lord Jesus would stop what he is doing and drop everything and rush to Lazarus' side. After all, Lazarus is his good friend. He is somebody whom he knew and loved. On the other occasions, he healed people whom he had just met. And he always did so in a timely fashion. Whenever they brought someone to him to be healed or even to be raised from the dead, then he would do this within a short period of time, sometimes right at that moment. However, the Lord Jesus does not do that in this case. He tarries a while. In verse 6, we are told that after he received the news, he waited yet for another two days. All in all, the Lord Jesus would not arrive in Bethany until four days after Lazarus had died. Why did he wait? What is the reason behind it? Does he not realize how anxious Martha and Mary are? Does he not realize how distressed all his friends and relatives would be? Why the delay? Oh, sure, he sends the message that the sickness will not end in death and that it is all happening to God's glory. But what good does such a message do to Martha and Mary? By the time he gets there, it is much too late. And that's also the reproach that both Martha and Mary make. Martha said to the Lord Jesus in verse 21, If you had been there, my brother would not have died. And Mary says the same thing in verse 32. Such talk, however, does no good. It doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't change anything. It deals with the past without giving a solution for the present. And yet, is that not often what we do as well, especially when there is a death? We look for ways that it could have been prevented. We blame the doctor. If only he had diagnosed the cancer earlier, then it might not have been too late. Or if only my husband had heeded the doctor's warnings, then he might still be alive today. Or we blame God. Oh God, where were you when my beloved child died in a car accident? Where were you when I needed you? Where were you? Oh, sure, we don't want to blame God. But those thoughts run through our heads. We feel so helpless, especially in the face of death. 
we think of ways that it could have been prevented. If only. Martha and Mary were not the only ones who thought this. According to verse 37, some of Lazarus' friends and relatives thought the same. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept his man from dying? At that time, Martha and Mary and the others could only ask questions. They could not understand for the Lord Jesus' delay. And so they began to lose hope. Lazarus was already four days in the grave. The smell of death was already present. His body had already started to decompose. In those days, many people believed that the soul of a person would remain with the body until three days after death. After that, there's no longer any hope. And so, as far as the people are concerned, when the Lord Jesus comes, there is nothing more to do except to bring comfort. And that is why many friends and acquaintances also came to Bethany. In Israel, it was the custom to have seven days of mourning. Bethany was only two miles from Jerusalem. And so also friends and relatives from Jerusalem came to comfort Mary and Martha and to bring condolences. The Orthodox Jews, not the Sadducees and others who were like them, but the Orthodox Jews in those days believed in the resurrection of the body. And therefore, no doubt, the relatives and friends would have said to the sisters of Lazarus that they should be comforted with the fact that on the last day their brother would rise again from the grave. That's something to look forward to, isn't it, Mary? Isn't it, Martha? Indeed, isn't that how we also comfort one another when a loved one dies? We remind each other of the future resurrection. Minister has sermons about this, and also at the time of the of, of, of the actual burial. And when we bring our condolences to those who had to bring loved one to the grave, then we remind them of the fact that the grave is not the final destination. That we're all going to rise again from the grave. And that's why we also place the body into the ground because of the symbolism. The symbolism that Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians 15. For there he calls the body a seed that is planted into the ground which has to rise up from there which will happen on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns on the clouds, which will happen on the day of judgment. It is only on that day where we once for all will be declared innocent, and from that day forward we will be able to walk on this earth with renewed bodies, with imperishable bodies. That is the doctrine of the church because that's what we find in the Bible. And these words of the future resurrection of her brother Lazarus are still ringing in her ears as she hears that the Lord Jesus is coming. He is on the way. He is close by. And immediately Martha goes out to meet him. She escapes from the house full of wailing and mourning. She seeks the comforting presence of the Lord Jesus. Oh, how she wished that the Lord Jesus had been there earlier. And that's also what she tells him. She knew that her brother would not have died if he had been there. She was certain of that. But now, it's too late. Yet, she still believes that there is much that the Lord Jesus can still do. For, right after her complaint, she adds, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. 
what was she thinking when she said this? That the Lord Jesus would at that moment bring him, her brother, back from the dead? Not very likely. Else she would have given a different answer than she did. It's also clear from verse 39 that she had already given up hope that she would see her brother alive again. For just before the Lord Jesus is about to open up the grave, she reminds him that there will be a bad odor since he had been in the grave already for four days. Yet she knew that with him she would find comfort. She still fully trusted in him. She believed in him. And then the Lord Jesus answers her. He says, your brother will rise again. In his answer, she hears the echo of the words spoken to her by her friends and relatives. Don't be sad, Martha. Your brother will rise again from the grave. Isn't that a wonderful comfort? But is the Lord Jesus that kind of comforter? Does he only hold out hope for the future? Is that the only comfort that he can come with? That is what Martha thinks. She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha knew her scriptures. She knew her doctrine. She knew what it says in Daniel 12 verse 2, for example, about the resurrection of God's people, namely that they would wake from their sleep in the dust of the earth. She knew that her brother would rise again from the grave on that last day. She was wonderfully aware of that comforting doctrine. And no doubt it was also of great help to her. But what do you do with that kind of comfort at the moment of death? How does that take away the stink of death today? For Martha, the resurrection of her brother was something in the future. It is great to believe this. But it still leaves you with an empty feeling. And no doubt that's also how we feel when a loved one dies. Oh sure, the comfort of the future resurrection is wonderful to have. That is a lot more than unbelievers have. We are very rich that we may know that. But that doesn't take away the pain now. We want to be able to celebrate life now. We don't want to have to deal with death. We don't want to experience the pain. And then the Lord Jesus comes with the most comforting words you will ever find anywhere in the whole world, in any book. He says to Martha, that brings us to our second point, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, listen to me. That's not just some dry doctrine. These are not just some words of comfort. This is not just some comfort for you that only applies to the future. No, Martha, you have the resurrection standing right in front of you. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And by speaking to her in this way, he transforms the doctrine of the resurrection into something real and tangible. He tells her, Martha, you are not being saved by some words in the book, but by me. I am the word. You have the living word standing right in front of you. Jesus presents her with the resurrection as a fact, identified with his own person. He does not say, I am the one who raises the dead. I am the one who performs the resurrection. But he says something much more significant. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He says this as God incarnate. In other words, he says this as both God and man. And in so doing, he represents all humanity. He wants everybody to believe that man is immortal, but only through union with him, only through faith. Brothers and sisters, you are given life through the Lord Jesus Christ if you believe in him. And so, brothers and sisters, we also have to understand the reality and the significance of these words. The words that the Lord Jesus spoke are the words of life. When you are sick, then you want a doctor and not a medical book or a formula. When you're being sued, then you want a lawyer and not a law book. When your car breaks down, then you don't want a fix-it manual, but you want a mechanic that knows what he's doing. In the same way, when you face your last enemy, death, then you want a savior, a real savior, and not some doctrine written in a book. Lord Jesus Christ, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, every doctrine of the scripture is made personal. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, You are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The words and the doctrines that you find in the Bible have their reality in the Lord our God. The words of God are the words of life. Life in the present. The words that you find in the Bible, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, they're not just empty words. They're not like empty promises of politicians. No, what the Bible says will come true. And not just in the future, but now already. God gives you life now. By speaking to Martha in this way, the Lord Jesus moves the doctrine of the resurrection out of the future and into the present. Martha was looking into the future for her comfort. She knew that Lazarus would rise again on the last day and that then she would see him again. She was also looking in the past, just like her friends, saying that the Lord Jesus could have prevented Lazarus from dying. But the Lord Jesus Christ wants her to think about the present, about now. Wherever the Lord Jesus Christ is, there God's resurrection power is available now. And that's what you can read throughout Scripture. Listen, for example, what Paul says to the Romans in chapter 6, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, and here it comes, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. It's not just for the future, it is for right now. And that's also what you have to do. Also you had to bring a loved one to the grave. Oh sure, you have comfort for the future. And that's great. It's great to know that the ones we have laid in the grave will one day rise from there and walk again on this earth with renewed bodies. But the great news of the Bible is that God gives life right now. That life goes on beyond the grave, also for your loved ones whom you have laid in the grave, who are now with their Lord and Savior. They have a life. 
But it also goes on for you and for me while we still live here on this earth. God gives you and me life now. That's why we also get together every Sunday. The resurrection happened on a Sunday. And that is why we come together on this first day of the week to commemorate that wonderful event of the gift of life. And so, brothers and sisters, today we are celebrating life, new life. We are celebrating the life that is given to you and to me through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given life to all of us through his word because he is the word. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. That has significance for us today. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for the resurrection, we would have no hope. No hope for the future no hope for the present. Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14, If Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Do you know what that means? Because of Christ's resurrection, there is life here on this earth. If it wasn't for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, then no babies could be born then healing could not take place. Then spring could not come. Then flowers could not bloom. Then you would remain in your sins and you would stand condemned. It is only because of the Lord Jesus Christ that there is life here on this earth. It is only because of the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I have life. And you may say, well, that life existed already before Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And that's true. But that was possible only because Christ was coming. All the Old Testament ceremonies of the law pointed to his coming and to his resurrection, to the fact that he is the one who gives life. If it wasn't for the resurrection, then you could not have faith. And then Jonathan Wasey's could not be standing here in front of this church this morning to acknowledge that God has given him life, eternal life. The Lord Jesus is about to go to the cross. At this point, the cross is only a week away. The Lord Jesus is well aware of that. And the people, the Pharisees, they want him dead. Do you know why they want him dead? Because they will not acknowledge that life comes through him. That only he can give true life. Man including modern man, does not want to accept that. Man wants to be the author of his own salvation. He wants the honor and glory. It is the sin in paradise all over again. That is why the Pharisees went after the Lord Jesus in the way that they did. Because it was especially after the raising of Lazarus that they were really determined to put him to death. They saw his power and his majesty and they wanted nothing to do with it. Because in this way, they did not receive the honor and glory. They saw how the crowds now followed him. And they did not want that. They wanted the crowds to follow them. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, young people, Jonathan, realize that this is the kind of world we live in today as well. 
The world is so limited in its vision. Listen to the politicians of today. They promise the moon. They promise that through their policies they will give you a comfortable life. They promise you all kinds of things. They are empty promises. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you want true life, if you want lasting comfort, if you want to have a life that extends into eternity, then believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to give life to all those who want to honor him and worship him. Do you believe this, brothers and sisters? That's the question that the Lord Jesus asks Martha. And she gives a beautiful answer. But that's a question that he also asks you and me. Do you believe this? Amen.